calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Gangster is suitable for ages 12 and up and contains graphic violence. The Gangster is also available as a signed, numbered, limited edition hardcover while supplies last. To order, go to scottsigler.com slash store. Hello, junkies! Wow. What a creative explosion I had in July and August. A bunch of stuff that's been in the works for years all came to a head at the same time. I'm going to tell you about that after the episode because we have a mid-roll advertiser in the middle of this episode. So don't freak out. But I'll tell you about the other stuff after the episode because I don't want to burn too much of your time with a talkie talk ahead of the story. But after the episode, here's what we will talk about. The status of GFL Book 7, Second Draft, it's good. The screenplay finished, it's great. My band Super Weapon has a new single and a video out, it's awesome! Stick around after the episode for that if you like, but for now, let me get you caught up on the story, and then we're all going to go hang out at the food court. Previously on The Gangster, Quentin used the Toltafine on Greedock the Splithead. The leader's transition has only just begun. Will Greedock survive the drastic restructuring to his body? And who will care for Greedock if the transition succeeds? Find out next on The Gangster, episode number 37. Pain. Lost. Greedock felt parts of himself slipping away. His drives, his desires, the things that had made him him, those drives were disintegrating. They were eroding. In the cocoon, he could not move. In his body, a change he could not fight. In his mind, the slow suffocation of the sentient he had been. He was being snuffed out. As facets of him withered, New ones budded, grew, expanded. New sensations and emotions, things he had never felt before. Hope, love, guilt. All the things he'd done. The sentience he'd ordered killed, the ones he'd killed himself. A ghostly parade marched through his thoughts, memories of the corpses left in his wake. Adults, children, infants. It had all been part of the grand game, the fight for wealth, for position, for power. He had played that game 
better than any other. He had won. Won what? The possessions? The money? Did any of it really matter? A fresh wave of agony ripped through his insides. His muscles would not respond. He could do nothing about the shifting, jarring, poking things growing inside of him. He heard and felt a crack, followed by that oozing sensation, something secreting from his body, flowing, hardening. Another crack, and another. His cocoon could not contain him anymore, and he understood why. He was getting bigger. Pain coursed through him, a pulsar wave cascading across every atom. Greedock now understood that the pain was a harbinger of something new. The splithead was fading from existence. The killer, the manipulator, the gangster, all drying up and blowing away, making room for something else. Something wonderful. This episode of The Gangster is brought to you by Heartbeat Hot Sauce Company. Founded in 2015, a bunch of peeps who just enjoyed making hot sauce for themselves were all, hey, wait a minute, this stuff is delicious. Maybe people will buy it. And they were right! Heartbeat Hot Sauces have been featured on the iconic show Hot Ones on three separate seasons. Recipes proudly developed, cooked, bottled, packaged, and distributed from their dedicated facility, in the south core of Thunder Bay, Ontario. All the hot sauces are made with natural ingredients and no preservatives. They use no thickening agents or water, unlike almost all other hot sauces. Locally grown produce are used in every sauce. All sauces are flavor-forward and heat-balanced. Very approachable, even for the no-hot-sauce-for-me person. They have an extremely versatile flavor assortment. My favorites are the Poirier Louisiana style, the Heatnest, and the Scorpion. A real girl doesn't dig the hot hot as much as I do. Her faves are blueberry habanero and pineapple habanero, which are both sweet, savory sauces. Fantastic. Heartbeat Hot Sauce is hooking up listeners of Scott Segler Audiobooks with a special discount. Visit heartbeathotsauce.com and use the promo code SIGLER at checkout to get 20% off your entire purchase. You can also go to the site to find the closest retailer to you, but get that 20% discount available only to listeners of this podcast. Go to heartbeathotsauce.com and use the promo code SIGLER to get that 20% off your entire order. Trust me, this stuff is the Mac. It is delicious. You'll love it. And now, back to our story. Memorabilia The transformation is almost complete, Masal said. Quentin sat forward in the big chair. Masal had agreed to meet with him, provide an update, but only in the rumpus room. Masal and Virak both had ratcheted up their suspicion that Quentin might ignore their warnings try to see Greedock. Can he talk? Can she talk? Missal said. Not yet. Perhaps another few hours. Perhaps tomorrow. Quentin tried to imagine Greedock's rage. Would he, she, try to incite Virak to violence? Sounds like she's out of the woods, Quentin said. There's no more danger of her dying from the process? Yellow strands in Missal's cornea. His uniform was rumpled, dirty. The worker was getting very little sleep, if he slept at all. He'd come to this meeting alone, leaving Virak to guard the new queen. That danger remains, but it is minor, Masal said. 
The major physical transformation is finished. That is where the primary threat of death lies. Her first molting is complete. Her new shell is hardening. As long as she continues to feed and is not disturbed, her likelihood of survival is in the 95th percentile. How much longer until it's, well, until, you know, she is uh, finished? One or two more standard days, Masal said. What do we do with her then? Black curls swirled on the worker's eye. Perhaps you should have considered that question before you initiated this change. Masal had always been so eager to help, so deferential. Not anymore. The worker had little patience for Quentin's questions. Well, I didn't consider that, Quentin said. I can't change the past. It was him or me. You know that. I didn't have a choice. Again with that word, choice. So easy to use it to excuse damn near any action. I want to make sure she's safe, Quentin said. I'm trying to help, all right? The black girls faded. My list of potential mates is complete, Masal said. When we leave this place, I will begin with Chalton the Moral. I am fairly confident he will accept the arrangement. If the new queen does not approve of him, or if for some reason Chalton is not interested in this pairing, I am confident Haman the Distinguished will court her. Who is he? A shipping magnate, Masal said. He owns Distinguished Freight, the third largest transportation company in the Concordia. He is wealthy, young, and will be eager to accept Greedock's wealth. As far as I know, the Distinguished is in no way involved with organized crime. The Lord Governor of the Concordia, and if that didn't work, a legitimate, successful business being. Perhaps this would work out after all. Do you have a third choice? I do, Masal said. I knew Greedock better than any other sentient, but the new queen will be her own person, so I cannot be certain of what she will find appealing. If she passes on Chalton and Amon, I suspect it will be because neither leader is involved with football. Therefore, I will contact Bagol the Fishy. Quentin leaned back slightly. The coach of the Aquanauts? Correct, Masal said. Greedock interviewed Bagol as a potential head coach for the Krakens. I believe Bagol was going to accept the position. The other two leaders have more money and power, but Greedock liked Bagol. Perhaps that like and familiarity will transition over to the new queen. Bagol is not rich, but he does not have to be. Greedock's legitimate money alone is enough for Bagol to provide her the best care and security available. Quentin imagined Chalton would be the first choice, who wouldn't want to be partnered with the leader of the entire Concordia. But if not, perhaps the new queen would be happy with Bagol. Greedock hadn't just been a team owner. The leader had lived and breathed the game of gridiron. With the Kretorakian threat over and the Toltafine almost complete, we must see to moving the new queen, Masal said. I have tried to speak with your father about proper transportation so she is not seen during the process, but he has not responded to my requests. Why? Probably because Killian was still in his cabin, either passed out or continuing on his drunken bender. The man had been so strong during the showdown with Greedock and the Bats, but perhaps those moments had maxed out what internal strength he had. Killian Carbonaro had hit his limit. Quentin couldn't blame him for that. His time in the borehole had taught him that everyone had limits. He's busy, Quentin said. I'll talk to him. I promise you, when Greedock is ready to travel, the Oleron will be ready to take her. Please make certain of that. Without another word, Masal left the rumpus room. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. 
And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. So frustrating. Losing Masal's friendship continued to sting. Quentin would not give up on trying to repair that bond, but it wasn't something he could focus on at the moment. If Greedak was only a few days away from completing the transformation, Quentin was only a few days away from leaving this rock and seeing Becca for the first time in almost a month. Zan, Quentin called out looking to the ceiling speaker film. I need to talk to you. Her thin schmeck entered the rumpus room almost immediately, as if she'd been waiting right outside. What can I do for you, Quentin? He didn't recognize the six-limbed, green-furred, four-eyed animal strapped to her schmeck head. What is that on your face? I mean, what is that that is your face? A githwart, Zan said. Not only are they adorable, they are also quite delicious. He wondered how hungry he would have to get before eating a githwart. A quick question, he said. If you can talk using the Oleron speaker film, why do you use that schmeck anyway? Because most conversations are better had face to face. Yeah, well, that really isn't your face. Do you wish to engage in a philosophical debate about existence and where lies the soul, or did you have something that requires my attention? 
No, he wasn't interested in having a philosophical debate with a stuffed animal. In no small part because he was pretty sure he'd lose. Zan seemed smart as hell. Two things, Quentin said. First, what can you tell me about the detection system for the crunchers? And when can you tell someone in authority about- I have no idea what a cruncher is, Quentin. Neither does Beans or Aya. Whatever Skipper told you was, most likely, the result of overconsumption of alcohol. Please say both of us the time it would take for you to ask questions of that nature and for me to ignore the fact that you are asking questions of that nature. Quentin stared at the stuffed animal. She really did sound like a ship's captain. Maybe she was used to stepping in during times like these when the captain was drunk off his ass. You know you guys are sitting on something big, Quentin said. You know this. The schmeck shook its head, making the stuffed animal's arms and legs flop. You may take that up with the skipper. If you have other questions for me, ask them, as I have many things to do. The Olern crew was a closed ship. It didn't take a punch-drive scientist to see that Zan, Beans, and Aya weren't going to reveal anything. We'll need to leave for Ionath soon, Quentin said. Greedock's transformation is almost finished. So I have heard. Eavesdrop much? No wonder you were so close by. Her schmeck pointed to the rumpus room speaker film. I do not need to be close. Aside from what is said in the crew's personal cabins, I hear everything. At least there was some degree of privacy. Speaking of what happens in personal cabins, Quentin said, Killian is in his, uh, resting. I think it's best if you take command for now. Or if I do. He's, well, he's not exactly reliable. He will be ready to command, Schmeckzan said. Trust me on that. Laid up in his bunk, his shirt stained with beer, not exactly the poster boy for stalwart ship captain. Zan, the man has a beer holder on his captain's chair. I'm grateful for all he and the crew did for me, but I have to ensure Greedock's safety. I don't want a drunk piloting this ship. When I say he's not reliable, I'm not just talking about right now. He was absent my whole life. I need to finish this job correctly, and he's not up to the task. Do you get me? Zan didn't answer right away. Quentin had that strange sensation of being stared at by a stuffed animal. I know Skipper better than you do, she said. I need to show you something. Come with me. Quentin started to object, but Schmeck Zan quickly left the room. He sighed, wondering what nonsense she wanted to share. Hopefully, it wouldn't take too long. He caught up with Schmeck Zan. Together, in silence, they walked along the Oleron's corridors, heading toward the bridge. Maybe she was going to show him procedures for operating the ship while Killian was indisposed. Good. Whatever got them to Ionath safely was fine with Quentin. Schmeckzan stopped at a closed hatch well shy of the bridge. This is the ship's actual captain's quarters, she said. This is where the captain is supposed to live. The bulkhead to the right of the hatch had a small keypad lock. Quentin had seen locks like it outside the hold where Greedock had been kept, but in few other places on the Oleron. This is where Aya lives, Quentin said. Killian told me. Killian lied. Aya has the quarters meant for the executive officer. Considering that the exo position is filled by me, and my living arrangements are already accounted for, Aya gets that space. 
the captain's quarters are used for a different purpose. The Schmeck punched a five-digit code into the door's small keypad. Quentin heard a bolt slide back. Schmeck Zan pulled the hatch open and stepped through. Quentin followed. It seemed dark for a moment, then his eyes adjusted. The cabin was more than twice the size of the one that Killian claimed as his own. Football paraphernalia covered every inch of it. Picture frames, containing both still images and constantly looping clips, hung on the walls. Holocubes on a small desk played highlights of Quentin's career, not just from the Krakens, but from his seasons with the McCovey Raiders. A paper game day program from his first ever start with the Raiders. A Kraken's helmet hanging from the ceiling. Kraken's blankets, shirts, pennants, orange and black merchandise of every kind. It was like a museum. A museum of Quentin. He glanced around the cabin. On the wall, a Kraken's jersey hung from a hook. Shoulder torn open, bloodstains down the collar and right side. A smear of white across the number 10 in the chest. He recognized that stain from the white tyrolic plants that made up the playing field of Demolition Stadium on Orbital Station 2. He remembered the wound that had caused the bloodstains, a key's fingernails ripping skin off his neck as Quentin was slammed to the ground. Seeing it here, on this ship, it seemed surreal, out of place. That jersey is from my rookie year with the Krakens, from our game against the Sky Demolition. How did Killian get it? Who knows? He took a lot of odd jobs just so we would be where your games were. He must have paid someone for that jersey. When he does have money, football memorabilia is all he spends it on. That and beer, of course. Her words triggered something inside of Quentin, something he'd always hoped for but couldn't allow himself to believe. He came to games? My dad saw me play? Five times, Zan said. He never traveled to the purest nation during your time with the McCovey Raiders, but since you joined the INF Krakens, he has seen at least one game each season. Quentin felt numb. In every game he'd ever played, he'd looked to the stands. He'd always hoped, always prayed, that football would lead him to his missing family, that fame would send his face across the universe, and his parents, wherever they were, might recognize him and come for him. He saw me play, Quentin said again, the words weak, his voice breaking. Killian is quite possibly the finest sentient I have ever known. He might not be the model human father, but he loves you. As hard as it may be for you to believe, his absence was the best way to protect you. He did the best he could. Quentin looked around the small room. Holos of him playing in stadiums across known space. Images of him after games, helmet off, smiling or sneering depending on the score. Replicas of the Galaxy Bowl trophy, one labeled 27, the other 28. Clips of him running around the field of Ionath Stadium, high-fiving the fans who leaned over the rail and reached down to him. Kraken's posters, Kraken's gear, Kraken's shirts, Kraken's hats, Kraken's paraphernalia of every kind. It wasn't a museum. It was a shrine. Quentin was a grown man. He'd built a championship team. He'd made lifelong friends. He'd married, even had a child on the way. 
he was an adult. Was it ludicrous to feel like a kid desperate for the love and approval of his parents? Maybe. And yet, that's how he felt. His dad had come to watch him play, and that meant everything. Was it dangerous for him to go to the games? It was, Zan said. It is dangerous for him to go anywhere, really. Football stadiums have mass surveillance, facial recognition, Kretorakian guards, system police. Killian is experienced at disguising himself, but I am not exaggerating when I tell you that he risked his life to attend your games. It was impossible to process. Quentin's mind fought to reconcile the two Killians that now existed in his mind. The father whose absence had made Quentin's life a living hell, and the man who had risked his life to sit in a stadium with hundreds of thousands of others and watch his son play football, the man who had risked everything to break Quentin out of prison. He could have talked to me after a game, or come and seen me. Why didn't he? Because he has powerful enemies that want him dead. If they knew you were his son, they would have come after you in an attempt to flush him out. He did not want to possibly ruin the life you had built. He did not want to stain your accomplishments. Her voice was artificial, carried by the Schmeck speaker film, and yet she sounded motherly, caring. Quentin, do you have children? My first is on the way, due in a few more months. Was it still months? He tried to remember the due date, how long he'd been gone, and he didn't even know if his baby was still alive. With the complications of a heavy G human hybrid, his child might already be gone. Perhaps after the child is born, you will be able to empathize with what it was like for Killian. I have been in his crew for 20 standard years. During that time, I have seen the intensity with which he loves you. He is a man who sacrificed much and lost even more. He would do anything to protect you, including leaving you to fend for yourself, no matter how hard that was on you, no matter how hard that was on him. Quentin again looked at the bloody jersey. He'd been 19 when he'd worn that. 19, away from his home, trying to find his way with alien sentience and alien cultures. And his dad had watched. Your father and I have been through much together, Zan said. When I tell you that he will be ready to command, I mean it. Quentin reached to the desk, picked up a paper program from Galaxy Bowl 27. The program had visible beer stains. His father had been there. You are only now getting to know him, Zan said. Inebriated or not, he is always ready to command. There is no one like him. He has an instinct for tactics that is unmatched. I have been in three situations where I thought for certain that we were as good as dead. We were outnumbered, outgunned. Your father executed complex maneuvers that let us escape. When I say complex, I mean that I fed the combat data into my sims to try and understand what he did. His tactics could not be replicated by computers. Yet he made those life-or-death decisions in fractions of a second. He is the best I have ever seen. Quentin quickly looked up at Zan's stuffed animal face. Complex maneuvers that couldn't be replicated by computers? Yes, he drinks, Zan said. 
in two of those three battles, he was, as your species sometimes says, as drunk as a skunk. A chill washed over Quentin. Split-second decisions. Impossible tactics. In the fight in Quentin's cell, Quentin had shouted to stop because the vision showed him there was no way to win. But Killian had already given up the fight. Had he done so because he, too, saw that the battle was already over? Did Killian also see the lines of power? Could it be hereditary? We should go, Schmexan said. He does not think anyone knows about this cabin. He doesn't know you know? No, and yet I do. I do not get out much. I know everything that goes on in this ship. I trust you will keep my secret? Quentin looked at the six-legged stuffed animal that seemed to be looking back at him. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Zan. She stepped back into the corridor. Quentin took one last look at the shrine. His father had seen him play. Maybe that shouldn't have mattered, but it did. Quentin stepped out. Zan closed the hatch behind him. That is it for episode number 37 of The Gangster. Only three episodes left. Then we get into our two Q&A episodes, which will be a lot of fun. We'll be doing those as live Sigler in Place live streams. That happens on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. So after episode 40, the following Wednesday and the Wednesday after that, we will have two Q&A episodes. We'll record them live. We'd love to have you guys join us. You can watch at facebook.com slash scottsigler, twitch.tv slash scottsigler, youtube.com slash scottsigler. But if you can't make it live, we will strip all the audio out, put it in the podcast feed as episodes 41 and 42 of The Gangster. Now, before the episode, I told you that after the episode, I would tell you what is going on with all the, the creative explosion. First of all, I'm rocking along in GFL's book seven's second draft. I'm over halfway done. One more big plot point to go. Then we're off to the races. Now, of course, I might find other plot points in the rest of the story that need to be fixed. But for the most part, the farther you get, the fewer plot points you find. So I'm pretty excited that we are closing in. I'm really pumped. Also, my band Super Weapon has a new video and a new single out. Follow us on YouTube. Where the video is, you can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Super Weapon YouTube. And, or you can follow us on Facebook where the video is, facebook.com slash super weapon band or you can be old-fashioned and go to superweaponband.com it's an actual website you guys remember those days when you went to, went to websites to see things go check it out if you do find us on youtube i would appreciate a follow there as that is the biggest place for music discovery in the world right now so again go to bit.ly slash super weapon youtube follow us i say thank you as if those two things are not enough creativity a screenplay that Rob Otto and I have been working on for four years is finally done. This draft, anyways. The script is called Mall Pigs. It is a supernatural comedy in the vein of Ghostbusters, the original, uh, or Shaun of the Dead, things along those lines. Mall Pigs is like Ghostbusters meets Super Troopers. Our tagline, it's like other monster movies, except with a food court. We have submitted that script to a site called Slated.com. That is a place where writers, directors, actors, and most importantly, financiers and investors can look at projects and hopefully move them along the road toward becoming an actual movie. Now I know there's almost zero chance that this script will get turned into a movie, but that wasn't the point of this exercise. 
The point was to finish the screenplay and submit it so Rob and I learn how to use Slated.com, learn how to use a software called Writer Duet, start building our contacts at Slated.com, and kind of learn as we go. It's a proof of concept, but we are learning a lot. I'm a big proponent that if you want to do something, especially in media, jump right in, start doing it, start making mistakes and failing, and you'll figure out what works as you go. We do this in hopes of being much smarter about the business, about script writing, about everything when we submit other screenplays in the future. That's after, of course, GFL 7 and Crypt Book 1 and the shipping of GFL Book 6, the gangster hardcover, are all done. Oh, and if you happen to have a couple of million dollars lying around and, you know, want to bankroll an indie feature film full of toilet humor and oversized sex toys, get a hold of me and we'll do lunch. You have been listening to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and narrated by Scott Ziegler. Follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter, where he is at Scott Ziegler, one word, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Scott Ziegler. For more information on the Galactic Football League series and for more free audiobook podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. The Gangster was directed by A. Sigler, engineered by Steve Rickyberg. Copyright 2020, Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song Heaven's a Lie by the band Lacuna Coil. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.